This is a Radio.com original. All right, you're saying you're not a good driver. You're number three. Joe Amato's ahead of you. Tony Schumacher's ahead of him. Uh, you've got 44 wins. Amato had 52. And from the information I saw, Schumacher is at 56. You're- Th- those are older stats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah t- a- Tony's up in the 80s as far is as he? wins go. Yeah. Um, I'm in the 60s. Okay. So- okay. Little- you you got to update your, your Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. everybody welcome to a brand new talking about cars podcast where everybody including this guy and me have a car story or three that's right at least least, yeah definitely each probably hey everybody i'm randy cardoon who's uh, currently picture adorns the drag strip at irwindale speedway with this guy next to me there he is the man the legend hot rod bob beck that's you yeah, that's me. That's you. I'm me. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. people who go to Irwindale Speedway here in Southern California can actually see our picture. It's similar that's to right. the one that's on. Uh, that's uh, right here on our uh, YouTube page. Yes. I shouldn't say YouTube page. It's actually no. It's on our, our Facebook Twitter. Page. Our Twitter page. See that too. See. And here you we see are. It. There we go. Yes. Twitter there we page. go. Perfect. There we go. That's us. And it's, a, it's an interesting car-related show because this time, Bob, we are returning to the drag strip to talk to a guy whose name has been around. It was first his father, now him, occupying the name Larry Dixon. That's it. And he's a top fuel champion, number three in total wins. Is that just in top fuel or total? Yes, top fuel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know he, he's after Tony Schumacher's ahead of him. Who else passed him? I, I'd have to look again, but I, I, I don't remember, but it, it's, to, it's really close. Because I looked it up and I went, huh, you know, they listed yeah. as number two, but I was looking at stuff that was three years old. You know, I, I yeah. know. And, and he has the shortest racing history to an extent, which is kind of strange because he grew up in a drag racing family, his dad winning the Winter Nationals in Pomona in 1970. Uh-huh. And he didn't start driving until much later on. You'd think uh, being a drag race kid, he would have been involved a lot sooner. But we'll find out. Maybe he was, but not quite the legitimate way. Uh-huh. We'll find out about that when we talk to him. Did you, by the chance, uh, go on YouTube and see Larry Dixon frying up a bologna sandwich? <laughs> no, I didn't. I wonder if that's his dad. Uh, I, I didn't see the video, so I don't know. One's got gray hair. One's got dark hair. Right. Well, this if guy had gray, definitely gray hair. Then it's he his was, dad. He was talking fried bologna. That's his How dad. How many sliced thin fried bologna <laughs> slices equal a fried bologna sandwich? Sandwich. Uh, First I off, don't know. have you ever had fried bologna before? Yes, I have. In I want to say I tried it once, but I, I've never had it professionally made. I, I, when I worked in Louisville, we went to the Louisville Sluggers game, and you have to have the fried bologna sandwich. It, it's just the mainstay of what you get there. You know, you go to Dodgers Stadium, you mm-hmm. got a Dodger dog. You go to Louisville Slugger Stadium, you got to have the fried bologna. And that's the baseball team, right? I should that's know it. this. Yes. Yeah, I should know this. All right. Well, I can't wait to talk fried bologna with uh, Larry Dixon. Yeah, I'm mean, sure he's had a lot of them. Yeah. And probably people have said that to him, too. Ah, bologna. Hey. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, Larry's online, so let's bring him on. The man, the moment, the drag racer extraordinaire. Where's he been the last few years? We will ask him. Here he is. Larry Dixon Jr. Hey, Larry. Behind him is the actual car. Yeah, not, this is not a video. <laughs> this is the real thing behind him. And uh, we got to see it a few years ago at SEMA. And this is the first time I've actually been able to, well, visually see it anyway, since then. Uh, how have you been with that? Have you been able to get it out and uh, drive it? We, every year we've been running it. We've, we've doubled our amount of rides and appearances and stuff every year since then. And, uh, you know, we debuted the car at, uh, at SEMA in 2017. And uh, I think everybody in the world loved it except three people. And, <laughs> and those three, three people really threw the hammer down on me. Um, but since then, and everybody else in the world, we've been going out running the car. I've been doing displays with it and, and, and different shows. And uh, it, it's, it's been picking up momentum, you know, not, not, not a lot because we can't. Um, yeah, NHRA owns everything west of texas so i can't get the car uh to the west coast probably why you haven't seen it bob since yeah. seen the show but but we've been going to like west palm beach and uh martin michigan and memphis tennessee and uh it's south carolina and north carolina and and we've really been uh we've been running the car at every, uh, every a lot of places and um surprisingly you know with the pandemic i really thought uh, that would kind of shut shut us down because it's kind of shut everything else down. But I think it's given a lot of people time to say, "What the heck? Let let's let's do this now and let's go for a ride." And and, and so uh, the the last few months got bit got really busy with the car. And then uh, you know now now it's winter time, so now we're kind of waiting for uh, you know spring to hit. I actually trying to put together. Uh, an event in September or not in September, February at, at West Palm beach. Again, okay. that's uh, we the weather's pretty forgiving in the winter time there. So um, we'll do that. But car's been fun. We run an eighth mile. It's uh, you know, f from a real top fuel car. I mean, it's, it, it runs pretty close. It can't run the, the same type of numbers because because uh, of the extra weight sure. uh, in the chassis and then another person. But gosh, you know, it'll run 250, 260 mile an hour to the eighth mile. And that's, uh, that's impressive. It's getting it. Yeah. Now you, you've <laughs> had a very distinguished. That that, that's a big yeah. deal. You've had an impressive racing career. And one of the things I noticed in uh, reading about it, I mean, I knew who you were before, but I never really read about your history. You almost, it, your history as it shows up on Wikipedia and such, it's almost like you were a late comer to drag racing, but you've been in a drag racing family all your life. Oh gosh, I, I, I feel so blessed to have grown up in Southern California and having my dad, uh, you know, race, uh, you know, in that era, you know, where the, you've got the, the Lions drag strip and the Irwindales and the Orange Counties and all that. And growing up out there and, you know, showing up at races where there's, you know, 60, 70 top fuel cars all trying to get into a 32 car show or something like that. Um, it just, uh, I, I get goosebumps talking about it. it it's, it's, it was just a, a great time, great era to grow up. And then that really gave me the love of the sport and um, yeah, I've been going out there ever since. You know, my dad retired in the late 70s, 78, 79, 
that was kind of it for him. But I was just kind of getting going at that point and, and definitely had the bug to go uh, go racing. And so, Larry, got, go, ahead. go ahead. You were with some top teams. I mean, Gary Beck, Larry Miner, Perdome. You, you didn't really have any low-budget low budget teams. You had the top guys. Well, and it kind of goes back to, like, going to the races with my dad. And my dad, for the most part, always raced as a hobby. So you would race during the weekend wherever we were at. And then Sunday afternoon, evening, whenever the race was done, you'd drive through the night to, to be able to get back home so he could go back to work on Monday and, you know, we go back to school. But there was other guys at the track that weren't leaving, you know, like a, a Roland Leong or Snake, Mongoose, you know, Shirley, Garlet. Um, they weren't leaving. They were like working on their car and going to the next race. And I was like, man, if I could do that, that would be awesome. And so that, that's really what I uh, aspired to do. So it's, yeah, I uh, graduated from high school in 84. And then it took about two years before I could talk a team into even letting me work on their car. And it ended up being uh, the Larry Miner team with, you know, Gary Beck was driving. And then after that, it was, uh, you know, Larry Miner himself, um, Dick LaHaye, you know, Ed McCullough um, in, in the funny car. And so that's, they were the ones that actually gave me the start. What and it was just pit crew. I was going to say, how did you make the transition from pit crew to driver? Um, well, that, that came a few years later, I, but there was guys that were, you know, like crewing or, you know, driving alcohol cars and moving up to fuel. And at the time, uh, you know, all three Petragon brothers, um, you know, you had uh, Blaine Johnson, you know, th there was just d different people. Um, Pat Austin, you know, all these guys that were that were coming up, Shelly Anderson, Randy Anderson and, and, and the like. And I'm pit crewing and and i'm like how how am i ever going to get a shot at that and it's like well if you're going to get a shot uh and roland leong's uh, was very instrumental in and in giving me guidance on that because he helped mike dunn kind of uh carve his path as well too ended up driving an alcohol car and, and it ended up being for uh, john mitchell uh which you know back in this you know if there was an older crowd listening, he, he had the Red Mountain Boys cars and, and ran in Southern California and then later on with the Montana Express. So I gave him a call um, to see if I could drive his car. He was in between drivers and it's like, yeah, sure. So I quit. I was pit crewing for Perdome at the time and I quit there and went to go uh, work on the Mitchell's car, full time uh, alcohol car and then uh, drive it. So that that's kind of where it got the start. And then uh, ran out of money and ran out of savings and ran up the credit cards and had to go back crewing so I could actually pay my bills. And mm -hmm. then from that point, it, I got the opportunity at Snakes and, and Snakes let me license in his car during his uh, final season driving. And then from that, it kind of, you know, it, it got him excited about being a car owner. And then uh, he took it to, um, took me and, you know, to Miller Brewing Company and sold it. Uh, to those guys, and then we were with Miller Brewing for uh, 12 years, you know, so got a bunch of wins and championships, but it was uh, um, just, I had no idea it would snowball into what it did, but I'm certainly uh, blessed for the opportunities that I've gotten. And you had a, an amazing track record, too. You're number three in overall top fuel wins, aren't you? Number three? Did I get yeah. bumped down? Yeah, yeah, see, I thought it was I two. Thought, well, all right, let me go I back. I was going for two. I, I saw uh, you, yeah. 
two behind Tony Schumacher. So I could be third, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, I had a really good run for a long period of time and and with some good teams and crew chiefs and such. uh, Yeah. So it it definitely let us uh, run the numbers up, you know, on on the wins, but it was a good time. You've yeah, actually you- been so busy with other things and, and the lawsuit, the situation regarding uh, involving the uh, two-seat car. You had uh, a brush with cancer in the mid-teens. Do you envision yourself, would you like to go back and race once again in the NHRA? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know. I, I had a team ask me about my uh, uh, availability over the summertime, and and I, uh, I said, yeah, I had interest. It was a good car and such. And uh, they said, well, what about your license? Because I hadn't had a license for a long period of time. And I'm like, well, I won the appeal. I just haven't got my license because there hasn't been any interest in it. And they weren't so sure that I could actually get my license. So I filled in my paperwork and turned it in and got my license. And then everybody's like, Whoa, you know, like, uh, and I'd say, I don't know where it'll go. Um, I mean, I have my license. Um, but you know, really, I, I've been running the two-seater, and uh, that's that's been a lot of fun. I mean, you have not. It, it's it's almost as cool as winning a race when you can take somebody down the racetrack like that it, that would normally never get an opportunity, and, and it's like it's literally for them. It's like winning Indy, and and to be able to share that excitement with them, uh, that, that's that's exciting for me you know, to be able to do that. So, um, you know, if, if it happens, great. I mean, I don't, I know I don't have any ask. I mean, John Force is in his seventies. Like I, there isn't a bone in my body that wants to race one of these 10,000 horsepower cars in my seventies, you know, like I'll leave it to the younger generation to, to, to do it. But, but, uh, um, but I, I do enjoy getting in the car and I, and I have a regular top fuel car and, and then I'll go do some match races and such at Martin, Michigan, Cordova, and Grand Bend and such. And it's like when you get in that car and you strap in and you go down the racetrack and, and all those races are, you know, they race quarter mile. They're not thousand foot. And it's, I mean, it's fun. Like I really enjoy the ride. So I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, there, there's so much politics involved and it's so hard to come, you know, to, to match yourself up with a, a, a company that that sees the value in our sport. And, and that's, uh, I know we had a great run with uh, Miller Brewing Company and it made a ton of sense for them because we could go into uh, whatever city it was and really make an impact on beer sales. I could go do appearances for them and whether you're going to a retailer or you're going doing the distributor meetings or, or doing meet and greets and such, you could really make it a difference and, and trading out, you know, get a tap handle in somewhere and actually put a dent in sales. That was exciting. It made it feel like you, but there's not a lot of companies, you know, it seems like left that'll do that for the price tag it costs to do this is, I mean, if you're going to be out there for the full season, it's, you know, $2 million gets you in the game. You know, it doesn't, it didn't even get you at the front table. So, so, I mean, you got to be looking at 3 million if you're an Allen Johnson, Don Schumacher, John force type of team. So you you had beer companies though, consolidate at one point. I'm sure that didn't help. I, no, 
Yeah, they, they, they got bought, you know, like, uh, you know, Miller got bought by South African breweries and then Coors got acquired as well. So then they're all tight. And then InBev comes in that had already bought Budweiser and then they buy. So it's like, you know, before it was like such a beer war. Well, mm-hmm. now it's now your stepbrother, sister, yeah. <laughs> your cousin, whatever you want to say. So Not as much fun. It, no. It isn't, you know, like it's, I, I was, ex- I mean, they, they made it really gratifying, you know, when you had to race a Budweiser team like that and Bernstein and Kenny is, he's such a great driver and he, and I wasn't as good a driver as him, but it's like you either, you either learn to get your ass kicked week in, week out, or you got to work on your game. And he forced me to be a better driver. And I love that for that. I have so much respect for him. Um, it's like, Kenny still has trouble with me just as a person. Cause we race for so long. We have such competition for so, so long. Uh, but it was exciting. It was exciting times. And I loved it. And I, and I loved being a part of that uh, at that time. All right, you're saying you're not a good driver. You're number three. Joe Amato's ahead of you. Tony Schumacher's ahead of him. Uh, you've got 44 wins. Amato had 52. And from the information I saw, Schumacher, Schumacher Macher is at 56. So you're- Th- Those are older stats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, to- Tony's up in the 80s as far is as he? wins go. Yeah. Um, I'm in the 60s. Okay. Goes, yeah, 50s. I had I had right, 84. I had 84 for Schumacher. You had 62. Okay. Sounds you you got to update your your Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't but, even know you could do that. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, you can. I you have just you have more wins than Bernstein. You excelled <laughs> obviously in drag racing. Um, so you were not a bad driver. You you came out top 10 in how many se- concurrent seasons? You won Indy more than just about anybody else. You passed Don Garlitz early on in your career. You set world records when there was still quarter mile. You definitely were one of the top drivers. Don't cut yourself short there, guy. It, it's uh, it, when you talk about Garlitz, it, that was very humbling and it, it almost felt unfair because, you know, when he raced in his heyday, you know, there might have been six races in, in, in a season or yeah. you know, they're not the 24 that, that, that's on the schedule now. So it's like if you get on a run now, you can really run those numbers up. And, and uh, it definitely wasn't fair, but uh, like that was my, you know, guys looked up to Jordan or Kobe or, or, or whatever, like Garlitz was the guy for me. I mean, going out there and I mean, he just, it seemed like he won everywhere he went and, and everywhere we showed up, he always ended up winning and it was just, he was the guy. So, um, but I, I, I certainly, uh, and I actually even got to, uh, I only got to pair up against him once and it was in qualifying, but it, it was still, and I, you know, got the picture and had him sign it and the whole <laughs> bit, it was, uh, um, um, it's a great sport. I, I, I really uh, feel blessed to have grown up in it. When you uh, grew up at the beginning and your folks were driving around in cars and your dad was just getting into the biz, what, what kind of cars did you grow up around? Oh, my, my first, well, we were a Chevrolet family. My dad, he raced a top fuel car that was Chevrolet powered. So um, my first car was a 55 Chevy um, and, and it started out as nothing, like no motor, no trans, no nothing. Got it in sixth, seventh grade and then started you know, putting it together, summer jobs and all that. And then it got to be, 
you know, fiberglass front end and bigger, you know, wheel tubs. And, and then it got to the point where I got in trouble with the car on the street and then it wasn't a street car anymore. And, and so then it was a track car. Um, then I got a Chevy too, uh, you know, and I was still living in the San Fernando Valley at the time, which I still have. It's under the cover right there. I've always, you know, kept it the whole time. Um, but, but Chevrolet cars, the, the Chevy two is a fun car. I, I once, once I got off the tour a few years back, uh, I worked with uh, Chevrolet um, on, a, on a build with it and put an LT4 uh, late model engine in it. And uh, I've, I've got it running uh, in the high nines uh, and it gets 22 miles to the gallon on pump gas. And I'll go do that <laughs> Hot Rod Magazine Drag Week stuff. And, you know, there's an, another one as well uh, called the Midwest Drags. Um, and just having fun with cars. I mean, it's like, I've been a car guy my whole life and it just, you know, like everybody hears about top fuel cause that's what's on television. But you know, like I, you know, and then while we're all shut down for Corona, I, I did a, a, a Corona impulse buy and I bought a, a 69 uh, El Camino uh, SS 396 car. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's original. It needs, it, it needs a lot of work. I always get these cars with less motor and trans. But uh, uh, I got it and, and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with that. But, uh, but it's uh, cars, man. That's, I've, I've always, uh, um, you know, if it makes noise, I got interest in it. Talk to Jack Beckman. He just finished his El Camino. That's right. So you, oh, yeah. he, he can tell you what not to do. Do you, do you know what's you know what's great about Jack? Like we grew, we both grew up in the valley, and it's like I remember Jack and his car way back before we all went on the NHRA tour. We'd all go to hang out at Chatsworth and Zelza at the mm-hmm. Winchell's Donut Shop, and uh, you know on the weekend on the weeknights, and and uh, it's a blast. And you know here it's gosh, 35, 40 years, however many years later, you know we're still playing with cars. Still, now, how did how did you go? I mean, go from a, a California kid to transplant yourself to Indiana, and then your dad moves back there with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he's not happy with me about that, but uh, it's uh, the racing. The last year that I lived in California, I was only home ninety days for the year, and I had just got married. We were going to start a family, and just Indy made more sense, uh, you know, just from coming and going from the tour. And when I was on the tour, I'd get about 200 days a year at home being in Indy. And it just, uh, just made more sense. Uh, everything's just a little bit easier, you know, coming and going. Um, you, you get your water bill for your water in your lawn and you don't get fined for it. And if you don't use too much electricity, you don't get fined for it. And it just, it, it just everything was so much easier. You know, the, the only thing you got to deal with is, is the winter. So you just stay inside wait for wait for spring yeah <laughs> and so well that seems to be like a central location because a lot of nhra drivers live out in indiana is that just basically because it's centrally located and it's kind of like the small town look yeah well it just the, the the shops ended up starting to be here like we always summered here when i was at perdome it, we, we'd winter in the valley uh, in southern california and then you know that was back when it was 16, 18 races. And then the, the schedule expands to 24. And now you're racing, you know, in early February all the way through till the end of November. And it just made more sense to uh, be back East f- full time. And I, I wanted to be around the race car. I, I that's, I, that's what I've always done. So it just, again, it just made more sense. And then, 
you know, like Snake built a shop here uh, and then it was full time. And then you've seen Schumacher and then Snake got forced and talked him into doing it. And it's just kind of snowballed. You know, Petragon's got their shop. Lucas is across the street. It's just um, it, it makes a lot of sense to, to be here from a racing standpoint. All right. Do you do any testing at IRP? Because you're close to there, aren't you? Yeah, well, I not lately, you know, like yeah. the, I got too many roll cages. Yeah, <laughs> it's too safe. I'm sorry. Yeah, they got grudge night on, on, on Wednesday night, and I'll take the Nova out every once in a while. What year is the Nova? Uh, 66, so oh. Chevy 2. Um, original 327 four-speed car, again, mm. bought it less motor and trans, and then put a motor and trans in it it was you know playing around on the street and stuff with it and it's just kind of um i've just never finished it still haven't finished it yet i mean it's still got the same paint on it when i bought it uh gosh i bought it back in 1988 um you know from a friend right off of Ice boulevard and uh <laughs> um it's just been part of the family ever since Van Nuys Boulevard, yes. Uh, we all cruise that, all three yeah, of us there. All three of us all cruise that. Yeah. I went to Van Nuys High School. I'm third, oh, third generation. Probably the oh. last generation because I'm not going to have any kids go, but uh, yeah. yeah, third generation Van Nuys High. So yeah. it's, uh, uh, again, great place to uh, grow up. I was uh, very uh, fortunate from that Ro standpoint. Robert Redford went to uh, Van Nuys High School. Did yeah. You know uh, I went there for two classes a day. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I went to Grant in Van Nuys, and okay. I ran out of shop classes to take. So they created a vocational program, and the machine shop over at Van Nuys High was far more advanced than what was at Grant. So I'd have two classes at Grant, and I'd go over to, to Van Nuys at break for two classes of, of machine shop, then drive back to, to Grant for the afternoon. I, ah. I, we were so lucky we had shop classes. There, there are no more shop classes. I've got, you know, I got my, my youngest is getting ready to go into high school next year. And it's, you know, uh, there's one auto shop at, and it's at another school, kind of like it'd be a magnet type program. But, yeah. you know, where you had wood shop and plastics and metal and printing and all of that stuff, it's just not out there anymore. And it's, you know, I, I, I hate it for like, just because it would teach you the basics, whether, mm -hmm. whether or not you got involved with any of it but at least you knew something about it. And, yeah. and now all those things are done and gone. Now. Yeah, I remember I went to El Camino and I know that uh, all the wood shops they had you go through, they had you make certain ashtrays, which is really kind of weird when you think about it because everybody <laughs> yeah. was trying. Stop, Stop smoking the make I don't want you to smoke in school. By the way, how's that ashtray coming along? Okay, yeah. well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but every, everybody kind of had that little project when they were going through school. Absolutely. So, so I'm curious, too. You, uh, you went through that whole situation as far as your dad racing. Talk a little bit about what it was like to watch him go through the race cycle and some of the guys he was facing. And what you learned most from watching your dad? I, I really got the love of the sport. I think from my dad, uh, I, again, it, he had that, he had an eight to five job. He worked at it, you know, machine shop that, you know, there in, in the Valley. Uh, and, but we, he'd race on weekends, he had, had a top field dragster in, in his garage. And, and you just don't, 
nobody has garages long enough to have top fuel cars in them anymore. No. But, <laughs> but, but, and, and then on the weekend, it seemed like there was a, there was a top fuel meet at, at either Irwindale or Orange County, you know, in the mid seventies, you know, Lions, I, you know, early that went away in 71 or 72. So, um, but it just, I, I think the love of the sport, it, there, there were so many top fuel cars and funny cars in the valley back then yeah. it just seemed like that was yeah you know there i i could go i would be at school with somebody and their dad had a top fuel car or a funny car it seemed like i mean it was just and now there's not a lot of top fuel cars left in the country let alone in the valley so it, it was um, so easy i i can remember i was talking to linda carter uh, at when randy and i were at the grand national roadster show mm -hmm. in january and I was telling her, I said, I remember when Bill Carter used to take his top fuel car out across the street to Valley College, and he would do burnouts in the parking lot on the weekend because there was nobody there. And she goes, I heard that story. You're the second one to tell me that. I said, yeah, I used to go over just to watch him do it. I lived down the street. And, uh, you know, it, it was just not uncommon for people to have dragsters. I've got a friend that's renting a house right now, and he was wondering why the back of the garage had this extension that was only about two feet tall and about four feet out. And he's renting it from John Peters. Well, they needed the extended garage to fit the freight train in. You know, and, and yesterday, Randy, or two days ago, Randy and I were interviewing a gentleman that's an actor. And he's talking about one of the guys on his crew that drives this crazy funny car. And I go, yes. And we're talking about it. I go, sure, I know him. He's He's got his own. He's another Valley kid, Tommy Larkin's kid. Uh, oh. Yeah. So uh, Trevor's, yeah, he's got his own, He's got his dad's old junior fuel car mm -hmm. or whatever and, it was. Yeah. And, and he's aspiring to move up. I mean, he's yeah. got a, his alcohol license and, and wants to move to top fuel. And it's uh, – um, it, it, it's a it's a great sport. Uh, I I really uh, again I I just enjoy it and, and and the time that 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 window um, you know through the seven you know seventy mm -hmm. my dad the sixties and all that me through the seventies and and eighties it's just uh, it was it was really neat I I enjoyed it. Um, gosh, uh, you know some of that stuff I guess I miss, but you know it's but everybody's missing it. it it's yeah. not like that yeah. anymore. <laughs> No. Irwindale and Orange County, they're all gone, you know, from that Well, state. Irwindale, the old Irwindale's gone. Yeah, we're, we've got the eighth gone, mile yeah. now, but it's not the same. We don't get the – I mean, occasionally we'll get some of the, the, the big hitters out there just to do some squirts and, and see what the car will do. But, you know, no kids are, are cruising Van Nuys Boulevard anymore. You can't – there's no cruise places to gather to, to make friends and, and talk about cars and show off your car. I mean, we used to no. go to Van Nuys Boulevard, and there was, you know, the GTOs parked here, the Van Guys parked there, LA Street Racers parked down the street, and you, you got to compare your cars and make friends. I've still got friends from that era. It's just great. The kids aren't getting a chance to do that now. Where do they park their Hondas? It just doesn't work. No, they just get on their phone. Yeah. <laughs> I am here. Yeah. 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 Meet me here. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, we're talking to Larry Dixon as the former NHRA driver has a cool vehicle behind him. We're going to talk about that when we come back. And we're also going to talk, I don't even know if this is the same guy, but does your dad make fried bologna sandwiches on YouTube? Not to my knowledge. Okay, probably not him. From me. 
<laughs> I don't know. This is all, it's all about research, and I'll explain how research can go wrong on the Talking About Cars podcast when we return right after this on Radio.com. Back again we are. I'm Randy Cardoon. That's Hot Rod Bob Beck. And joining us, former NHRA driver, top fuel number two in all of wins in top fuel, Larry Dixon, who we all want to come back someday. Yeah. You got to go after Tony Schumacher again, don't you? I mean, you want that number one, don't you? It's, uh, I don't know. What I tell people is it, it'd be like a boxer. You know, if, if you put me in the ring and you give me a good corner, you know, group, and, and then you can get excited about the opportunity of possibly, you know, racing these guys, you know, or girls. But, but if you're not in the ring with a great corner, I, you know, I, yeah. I can't, I can't be chasing that forever. You know, there's a lot of great, you'll miss out on life if you just keep chasing that one thing. You know, I, um, I don't want to, I don't think I've missed out on a lot, you know, maybe I guess you could add seasons to it or maybe some wins to it, but, uh, dang, I've had a blast and got to work with some great people, you know, like Dick LaHaye and, and mm -hmm. Dale Armstrong and Wes Cerny and, and Alan Johnson. So it's, uh, um, no, it, it's, it's been great. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with this car right now. And then, uh, you know, uh, doing the drag week type events with my Chevy too. That would have never got finished. Uh, I, I get to go to soccer games. You know, my daughter uh, plays soccer in, in high school and my son plays basketball. And, you know, if, if you're going to 24 races a year, you're missing a lot of, yeah. of your kid stuff. So I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not missing a thing right now. He's the smart one, I'd say. By the way, uh, we were talking, you mentioned boxing. Mike uh, Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. over the weekend uh, had a fight. I, I, and all, did you I see pay. it? Did you pay? Oh, yeah. And all everybody yeah, was I, talking about afterwards was Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> what does he have to do with it? Well, he showed up as a okay. commentator. Oh, what, did you, what did you think of Snoop Dogg as a commentator? I... The first thing I thought about was the fact that they, and I lived out of California for a long time and, and smoking weed wasn't legal <laughs> when yeah. I lived there, but it is now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, and he's been taking advantage of that. He took advantage That's of it beforehand as well. Yeah. I've heard. <laughs> what I've heard. Yeah. yeah well, he, well, he was mm -hmm. having a, a, a good time. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know that he would get the same response in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. not. Probably not. Let's talk about the car behind you. Where did that idea come from, and how long ago was it? Um, it, it was actually I had just lost my ride at Bob Vandegris at the uh, end of fifteen, beginning of sixteen, and I am uh, uh, out in. Southern California, um, uh, I already had my plane ticket for Pomona. So the Winter Nationals, I go to lunch with Terry Vance and we're just talking about, you know, like what, what am I gonna do with my life and moving forward and all that kind of stuff. And it got my wheels spinning I'm sitting in traffic, heading to Pomona. And then the idea kind of came to me. Well, what about a two seat top fuel car? I mean, they've got them. You know, NASCAR, in, you know, Mario, gosh, yeah. he starts Indy 500. He's the one out front of on everybody. Um, Formula One, even MotoGP has a, MotoGP has a two-seater. 
You can go 180 miles an hour on the back of a motorcycle, a MotoGP bike. No, so thanks. it's like, no, why, no, why, no, 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 no. You know, and, <laughs> and why don't, why doesn't, I mean, drag racing got some two seaters, but they don't run as fast as a, a showroom stock Hellcat, you know? So it's like, our sport, if our sport's the quickest and fastest, it ought to have the quickest and fastest ride along. So that's kind of where the idea came from. But then it was like, well, you know, like, you know, can it be built safely? You know, can you ensure something like this? You know, all those other ideas before you can even move on. So kind of built, built the car on computer and actually, you know, the computer modeling showed it's actually safer than a traditional top fuel car, which is crazy. Yeah, it, funny, not funny, but like when you build a computer model traditional top fuel car and you load it like in a max load condition it shows all the hot spots where they break in half and fly like i've done a few times this car doesn't have that so that that that, that was exciting for me that you could actually build one that's safer um then getting insurance and all that so then you know well okay you know what am i gonna do with the rest of my life you know like i love racing so like i don't know and then that's yeah i I mean, there's been a lot that has gone on, but, but the fact of the matter is I took this idea to the president of NHRA and he absolutely loved it. And so I go back and forth and with emails with all of their people for three or four months before we even start building it and get their concerns and all that stuff. And before any, you know, like make sure that we're all on the same page. And then I go and build the car. Then I test the car. And then we debut the car in SEMA and then they change their mind. Well, the genie's out of the bottle. <laughs> yeah. SEMA. I can't put it back in the bottle. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep running it. Cause I, you know, I, it's doing everything that I wanted it to do. I mean, I can run this car eighth mile and take the engine and the drivetrain out of my regular top fuel car, put it in this one, put somebody in the backseat. We go down the racetrack, you know, runs low three seconds in the eighth mile it goes over 250 mile an hour i mean th there were some events that this year that we could have qualified with so it's not <laughs> like this is like a dumbed down disneyland ride this is like the, this is the real thing and wow. uh, and it's and that's what i'm promoting is it's a real top fuel car and it's it's doing all that. And everybody that I've given a ride has had a ball and they've loved it. And so I, I have a review. <laughs> I have a review. You were called oh. according to the person that were that you gave a ride to the best Uber driver ever. <laughs> 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 I like that. That was yeah. really good. Yeah. Definitely the fastest. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, but it's, it's uh, again, it's, it's not for everybody. I mean, it, I, I compare it to skydiving or something like that. There, there's some people that love it, and then there's other people not a freaking chance. Well, a top fuel car is the same thing. There's some people that would say, no way would I ever do that. Well, it's not for you. you know. It, it's mm -hmm. for the people that, <laughs> that, that want to feel what 10,000 horsepower, you know, getting shot out of a you know, cannon. You know? I mean, it's, it's such Whoa. the G-forces. You can't even explain it to people. You have to feel it. What does something like that cost? I mean, what do you usually, what do people have to pay for something like that? It's, uh, it's, it's really stupid and expensive. And, um, <laughs> well, I, of course, we and, expected and, that. And, and, and to be honest with you, to be able to make it break even, it's not even enough, but it's, it's, it's a $10,000 ride. It, it is. It, it's, mm -hmm. 
uh, again, it, it's expensive, but the insurance on it, everything to do it is just, I mean, we, we service this car just, you know, I got a regular pit crew and, you know, guys that I worked with, you know, at, at, on, on Perdome's team or Alan Johnson's team. I mean, and we worked that car in between run. It's, it's just, just like the real thing. It's like, you're, you know, for people, you know, that there's guys that I, I seen this online when I was looking at like experiences, right. And, and where you could go on stage and play a guitar with Roger Daltrey, or, or you, you do these fantasy type camp things. So that's kind of what this car is. You know, I mean, it's for people that have, you know, don't, don't want to have any business of driving their own, their own car down the racetrack or who's going to give them the opportunity. And it's like, that's what this is for. So uh, again, it's not for everybody, but the ones that want to do it, it's, it's there and it does everything I wanted it to do. Take us through a little bit of that. Uh, you're in the, you're in the front. Yeah. The passengers in the back. Do you have radio yeah. communication with them to tell them what's going on? Oh no. Like you, believe it or not, you can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> the screams are deafening. Okay. Oh my gosh. It, that's, that's another thing that's deep because we don't have that radio communication. So it's like you make the run shoots out, you know, you're pulling on the brake and you're kind of coasting before you turn off. And, and, you know, they're only a couple feet behind me. It's not like they're a long ways away. But, like, other than one person, everybody has squealed like a little girl at a boy band concert. Like, it is – it's so cool. Like, you know, and that was part of the sales pitch even to, like, NHRA on it. It's like instead of me, you know, putting the, you know, the microphone and the camera in my face and me trying to tell people how great our sport is, it's like put somebody that's never been out there before, put – Put the mic in their face. Tell them. I mean, there's going to be people that you're going to get a true sound bite out of those people, and that excitement and all that. It's just, it, it's. I don't know. I get. Can you tell? I get. I'm ate up with it. I'm. It's I'm pretty. Good, yeah. Yeah. Just. I, uh, I, you kind of like. Yeah, I know. I. I mean, I like. I like. I love top fuel cars, and I like being able to share it with other people. Now your dad's back there. He's been back there now for almost ten years, isn't it? I'm going to say 15 years now. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that was, that was quite a change for him because he went back there to be with you, not because of uh, a job or, or racing, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause I, yeah, I moved back here in 1999 and, you know, kind of telling him, you know, cost of living and, you know, we got their drag strip right down the street and, and just everything, just there, you know, a few things are a lot easier than, you know, California. And, but it didn't do anything for him. And then all of a sudden, like, then we, then all of a sudden he's got grandkids. And then, then it was like, wow, you know, like maybe Indy might not be a bad idea. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like he won't move back here for me, but that's all right. I still got him. So okay. <laughs> it's cool. What's it like? My, you know, my mom, my mom's still in the Valley in the house that I grew up in. And when you guys were talking about that, um, the with Bill Carter, you know, starting the car up at the college, it made me think about, you know, when my dad they had the top fuel car in North Hollywood on, in, in a regular neighborhood, no subdivisions back then, and you know, push, you know, you had to push start your cars. They weren't self-starting back in those days, and push starting your top fuel dragster down Cleon Avenue in oh, <laughs> North Hollywood, California. It was know just, exactly where that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was a, 
um, it was neat, but it just, uh, um, so he moved back here. Yeah, he, you know, winners, I don't know. I, I'll put up with the winners for everything else. I had uh, John Mazzarella, he, he was a rep for Strange Engineering for the longest period of time. And, and he lived in Southern California, moved back to Indy full time. And I asked him, hey, what about it? And he goes, you write down all the bad things about California and all the good things. And then you, you know, you do the same thing um, with Indy. And he said, the one thing, he says, the one bad thing about Indy um, is the weather. The one good thing about California is the weather. He says, if you can put up with that, you'll be set. And that's kind of how it's been. It's, you deal with the weather a little bit, but it's not that bad. Well, they don't make wrinkle wall snow tires for the dragster though. They do not. No. <laughs> but they, they did make Florida and it's not that far away. <laughs> so what kind of cars right now are in your garage? I mean, you talked about the Chevy two, you talked yeah. about the two seat or nitro uh, car, uh, dragster yeah. car. What, what are your daily drivers like? Uh, my daily driver is a, a 2008 Chevy Silverado. Um, it's uh, I tell people the coolest thing about it is it's paid for, you know, and that, that's, that's, my, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my driver. But uh, you, the, the, the Chevy too, I don't have a lot of cars. I, I, I talked a little bit about the El Camino that I got and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with that. You know, like whether it's a, gosh, it, I mean, it's still got the original paint on it and stuff like that. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, do we see Can it? Can I do this? Sure. sure. All oh, right, there it there is. Go. There hey. it is. There it is. And it's yeah. is it yellow? Kind of a beige? Yeah. But butter butter butternut. squash. Butternut squash. Butternut yellow. That butternut yeah. color. Yeah, yeah. butternut squash. You know, that's the same color that Jack Beckman's was. Yeah. Well, he, his is like it, it's like Jeg's yellow now or yeah, something. Yeah, it's a bright Jeg, yeah. 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 You know, hearing so, you say but, butternut squash, I feel like a vegan now. I feel so healthy. <laughs> What do you mean you feel like a vegan? So, well. so a friend of mine had on, he posted the picture of this thing on Instagram. I said, hey, I go, did you buy that? And he goes, no, a friend of mine's got it and it's for sale. And he's, it's down in Florida. And, and so I, I, he goes, well, what's he want for? And we kind of go back and forth on it and all that. And I said, yeah, I, saw, I shot him a price and it said, hey, if, if, you, uh, uh, if you'll take uh, cash for it, I'll, I'll, if you'll take my offer, I'll pay you cash this week. And he said sold. So it's, it's a uh, less, but it, it came with the protective plate. It, oh, wow. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't have the motor trans, uh, but it's got everything else there in, in it. It's, it's had the original invoice in it, you know? Wow. wow. Yeah. And I, paid, and I paid more than the original invoice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, a Harley Davidson, you know, a, a, that I, actually bought when I was still living in the Valley, a uh, friend of mine, Billy Westbrook, that, that lives in North Hollywood, a, you know, customizer, you know, does beautiful bikes and went to Glendale Harley, bought a motorcycle, took it to his shop and then had 17 miles on it and then tore it all apart and, you know, like rubbed on every single part on that bike. And, and so again, that's like another, you know, hot, I, it's a hot rod to me. Um, you know, hot rod that's, that's in the family. And, and I still have that bike and um, not, not much else. You know, I got three kids and, and a wife. And, and so um, <laughs> there ain't a whole lot of time to be doing like a lot of car stuff, you know, like yeah. I can sneak out with this thing, uh, you know, the two seater every once in a while and every once in a while do a, you know, something with the, the Chevy too. 
that, that's plenty, you know, right now. All, all the car stuff and everything else, it'll be there, you know, when the kids get into college and all that kind of stuff. It's, well, uh, one day, though, the kids are going to be up and in college. The kids are going to be up and helping you uh, in your business. And you're going to be thinking to yourself, well, I have a list like everybody does, the top cars that I want someday. So tell me what exactly uh, is the uh, top two or three cars on the Larry Dixon list of cars that I want someday? I don't know. It'd be a wish list and I know I'll never get it. And cause I, I, but for the longest time I wanted to, I, I wanted a, uh, a 49 Mark four door with suicide. I wanted oh. suicide oh, yeah. door, uh, with it. And then with a, but I, and I wanted a Hemi in it, but I wanted a late model Hemi in it just so you say it's got a Hemi in it, you know, but then you could drive it, you know, up to Woodward for the dream cruise right. or wherever with it. Um, probably won't ever, get that in my lifetime just because it's it, it'll never be that high of a priority i guess um but but uh i don't i don't have like this huge dream wish list of, of things you know like mm. i my chevy too if i ever get to paint it that'll be awesome you know but <laughs> i don't know and the, and the el camino i mean it's i'm i'm pretty satisfied with what I got going on right now. You know, for his credit, uh, to his credit, I've never heard anybody actually say the four-door Mercury. I think that's an excellent car and an excellent idea, and especially the suicide doors, which actually came with it. Yeah. Well, a lot of people want to get the coupe. They want the chop top yeah. coupe. They don't mm -hmm. think about the, the four-doors. Yeah. Well, well, all of a sudden, you had kids, and then all of a sudden, four-door stuff kind of <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I it kind of seems more practical. I went through a similar thing. I was building a Topolino, and the wife says, oh, that's cute. Where do we put the kids? Oh. <laughs> so that had to go away. Do you know what the, the funniest thing when you, we were talking about kids and cars nowadays and, and all that was, was, was my son. When we are talking to my, my oldest, Donovan, uh, firstborn, won a car, and he, and he really didn't know what he wanted. And he said, he goes, but I want a four-door. And I said, a four-door? Like, I, that just sounded so, like, I'm like, a four-door? Why would you, you know, like, why do you want a four-door? And it's like, so I can, you know, like all my friends, you know, can get in the car. And I'm like, wow. You know, like, I, it just, it, that was, it was such foreign language to me, yeah, him saying it. And then it's like, you pay attention. It's just, cars are different nowadays than how, how we were raised, you know, yeah, like you yeah. pile everybody in and do that. You know, it seems like, more, you know, even on hot rod stuff, four doors are, are, are more popular now because it, they run out of the two doors, you know, like you can't find them anymore. So right. you, you yeah. get on a four door. But it's, it's cars are different. I, um, on off weekends, which I have more than I used to, I teach, uh, I'm a driving instructor for Doug Herbert's uh, brakes oh, okay. program. It's a defensive driving school yep. for teens. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you deal with a, a, a lot of teens and just kind of teaching them not how to drive, but what vehicles have in them now for, you know, safety, you know, to be able to get them out of trouble and keep them out of trouble and hopefully keep them alive. And, and just, it's, the cars are different nowadays. It's more transportation than, than hot rodding. 
like at one point. There's still, there's still a car culture, I, I believe, maybe not in the volumes it was in the 60s or 70s. Um, it seemed like everybody needed to get a license to get away and go see the world. And it's like, you don't have to get away and see the world. It's like you have your phone now and you can see the world with your phone. You never even have to leave your house. Like you can get fed and you can do all your grocery shopping and Amazon and just like there's everything is right at your fingertips now that it, that it wasn't, we had to get in a car and drive away. And that, now you don't, it's, it's just, it's a different world and you have to, you either adapt or you, you're conquered. <laughs> so <laughs> Doug Herbert's yeah, program. you can't beat them, join them. No, Doug Herbert's program <laughs> breaks is a great program. Unfortunately it came about through adversity, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I got Doug and I traveled to Britain last year for the drag racing hall of fame. And uh, we talked about that. And I went through the class, actually. He put me through the class in Pomona last year. It, it's awesome. And, like, not only do the, the teens, like, and I've been to Pomona, and I hate, you know, the, the pandemic going on. It, it's kind of shut down California. We can't get there and have that many, a big group of people together to t teach. But one of Doug's things was is he wanted the, the parents to go through the, yes. the class as well. And it's kind of because they haven't had any driver training or instruction since they got driver training and now it's like cars have abs systems in them and airbags and all these things that weren't in them say they didn't even have a side view mirror on the other side of the car when right. i got my license so it, it, it's just so different and and give them kind of a refresher course as well too but I, there's there's a lot of uh, satisfaction from my standpoint is you know like when when you're teaching a teen or even a parent you know and that and that light goes off like they get it i love that you know it's just again it's just being able to, you know, pay it forward, and, you know, pass, pass it down. Yeah. So it's, okay, I'm so actually going uh, this weekend. I've got a school at uh, Raleigh-Durham that we're doing. So yeah, they're, cool. they're doing some schools on the East Coast. So we've all grown up here on this show in, in L.A. City schools, and we all learned probably to drive through the L.A. City providing a car system. Bob, what, what, did, what did they provide you to drive when you uh, were learning through L.A. City schools? We had a Dodge Coronet. What year? Uh, 1968. Okay. All right. I had a, I'm older than you guys. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I, I had a 1970. I want to say 70. It might have been a 71 Plymouth Duster. Although, yeah. although LA City Schools was doing 70 Furies, I think, at the time. What, uh, what about you? What about you, Larry? Do you know what? Like, I don't even know. We had driver's ed. But yep. we didn't have they, they weren't they weren't doing the driving part of it at, at school like at Van Nuys High they 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 weren't doing any of the driving I, so but but I you know I did the written part and and, and all of that but uh, at school but no no driving so it was a oh, 55 Chevy for what an outrage for heaven's sake well so. they probably would have gotten a little upset when you part when you torque it up and power brake yeah that would have been <laughs> when you did a power slide or something like yeah, that yeah yeah cool hey remember to listen like and share and most important subscribe to our audio podcast and the video podcast on our talking about cars page also our two tired guys productions youtube page when you subscribe you will be notified when a new show comes up and remember when you subscribe it helps all of us that is so true don't forget to follow us on social media on facebook twitter and instagram become a talking about cars two tired guys patron on patreon.com get exclusive interview clips and get access to our two tired guys swag which is always 
always fun. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, uh, Larry. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. That's Hot Rod Bob. And of course, that is Larry Dixon Jr. And we're all having fun talking about cars. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.